Hello, my fine audience of the podcast Beyond Fit. It has been, I guess, now a couple years since I've uploaded a new podcast. So might come as a bit of a surprise to you when you see this in your feed, but hopefully you'll give this a listen. It is a Q&A episode with my fellow Coach Cade, which is, I guess, something to kind of update the audience on if you are unfamiliar with what's been going on with me. Um, I did stop the podcast back in 2021 to pursue a book that I did start working on. Have I finished it yet in two years? No, I have not. I'd like to think I'm getting very close and we'll share more with you as the finish of that book approaches. Um, but other than that, yeah, I have became in the last two years, a full-time online coach. Uh, I met Cade Howell who you're here in this podcast. He's also uploading the audio onto his podcast, which is interestingly called beyond fitness. And we met obviously the stars aligned when we found out that, uh, our companies or, and or podcasts were respectively called beyond fit and beyond fitness, uh, Kade was looking for an assistant coach and I was looking to get more experience, get more clients. Um, so after a short introductory slash internship process, I became a full-time coach with beyond fitness, uh, around November of last year, which has been going great. I've really been enjoying it. So please do reach out by DM on Instagram. You can follow me at jakeparker.fit or feel free to shoot me an email, jrparker95 at gmail.com for more information on that. But otherwise, you'll hear Cade and I in the beginning of this podcast talk about the photo shoot that we did last year where I got to the leanest I've ever gotten uh, around, I would estimate 7% body fat, give or take, which was really tough. Um, Cade and I go into a little bit of detail here about the post photo shoot time period, but uh, the photo shoot essentially was about 16 weeks of dieting to get down to that low body fat percentage. Uh, the pictures were super cool. It was a super cool experience. I had a lot of fun doing it, uh, even though it was a huge challenge, one of the biggest challenges I've ever faced, uh, just something that Kate and I wanted to tackle together. And it, I think helped me really to become a better coach too, just to understand what the clients that often come to us wanting to be in a pretty sustained calorie deficit to lose some substantial amount of body fats uh, are going through. But I discussed early on in the podcast, what the post show or not show kind of felt like a show, uh, but post photo shoot life has been like going from uh, trying to or doing a pretty sustained bulking phase, thinking I would want to get back into shape like that again and do a bodybuilding contest, but just realized it wasn't something I'm really too interested in pursuing right now for some reasons I'll go over uh, in the podcast. Other things you'll hear us talk about in the Q&A episode uh, beyond our current approaches are we talk a little bit about favorite muscle groups to train, and a little bit about how we program for ourselves and clients. And then we go over some tips for traveling, 
And you could really apply these to any situation where um, calories are going to be way higher. There's going to be a lot more temptation to eat or drink. So I think you'll really enjoy this show. Hopefully it's a warm up to many more podcasts in the near future uh, that you'll listen to. For me, I have rough plans to continue putting out episodes like this, some Q&As, hopefully some interviews, as well as some short, uh, shorter solo podcast. So hope you're excited to hear from me, um, gang listeners of this podcast. I'm back for now to some extent, at least uh, no definitive timelines on what the podcast will look like. I'm just going to kind of let it take shape over the next couple months. So love to hear from you if you have any feedback or anything like that. But without further ado, uh, enjoy this Q&A episode. We recorded a couple episodes back last year. What was that like? It's been about a year ago. Yeah, it was probably the end of last summer yeah. or so. Yeah. Right after our, our photo shoot. Where mm-hmm. we, that was a, an interesting time of year. It's it really fun to go through the photo shoot, but it definitely, it was a challenge for sure. And yeah. We, yeah, for sure. Glad to be not in that state currently. Yeah. I know last time we talked about like kind of some of the, the downsides and stuff of that. And I'm just curious, like, obviously I know, but what, what has your approach been around fitness? Like what's, what's changed since the photo shoot and like being so dialed in with things and really meticulous with tracking and everything like that, like tell the listeners a little bit of kind of the approach you're taking right now and just some of the things that you've noticed that's, that's different this time around. Yeah. So, uh, for the, for the first, like, let's say eight to 10 months or so afterwards, I was continuing to track. I was definitely trying to be very mindful of the reverse dieting process, just understanding that that was a really crucial part of not having like a big rebound, which is, I think, something that you definitely uh, can run into, can be kind of a danger of getting that lean um, because your body is that much more likely to put on fat and there's been evidence to show that you can even add like additional fat cells. So it gets harder to get lean in the future. So that post, um, photo shoot or like post contest or whatever it might be period is really important in that respect to just safely get back up to a comfortable body fat range, but without going too fast. Uh, and then since then we had discussed doing a competition, like sometime, I think in the beginning of like 2024, give or take. So, I was building for that. So it was in like a, basically a bulking phase for a good six to eight months or so at least. Um, and then just kind of felt like it was a little bit more than I wanted to do in terms of how much it took to track everything as far as food and workouts. Like I've never stopped, um, you know, having a healthy diet and training at least like three to four times a week. But I, just felt like I wanted to go back to where I was at before with just more so intuitive training and tracking. Um, I just felt like with all the other stuff I have going on, like I have a lot of different active hobbies and stuff like that. It was taking away more than it was giving. So right now, just kind of something that I've pushed off towards the future in terms of like a contest and haven't really been as intentional about training for specifically like trying to build as much muscle as possible more so just like maintenance training and and eating yeah i feel like that's important to go through phases like that of you know being more intentional about tracking and stuff and that 
that makes it so much easier when you're not tracking and being super dialed in, you're just having more of a flexible approach. It just, it's more intuitive, you know? So it's good to have, good to have those different phases and back off every once in a while. And it seems like it's helped you quite a bit with your own coaching experience because Mm -hmm. you're kind of putting yourself in the client's shoes of like most people aren't prepping for a bodybuilding show. They don't, they don't need to be that dialed in and meticulous with everything. Most people just need more of a, a flexible and sustainable approach. And I always notice whatever I'm doing personally with my training and nutrition, like it's just so much easier for that to influence how I coach people. And so it's good to go through phases of, yeah, you have, you have times where you're, you're dialed in with things, but then you also have times to be more flexible and it just helps, you know, kind of relay some of that information, things that are helping you to clients. So is that something you've, you've noticed? Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that, you know, I always tell clients like the end goal after you've tracked for a year, two or three, like multiple years, you should be able to maintain without having to be too strict with tracking anything. And I feel like that's where I'm at, you know, like in my life, I've probably spent a cumulative like four or five years strictly tracking basically everything I ate, tracking all my workouts, progressive overload, a lot of stuff. So when you've done that for as long as I have, you get a really good sense for how to do that stuff intuitively. So it's not like you can just, I I don't think that if you were just to try to do this intuitively, like in terms of eating and training, um, you definitely could, but it's not near as effective unless you spend a lot of time quantifying things to sharpen your intuition in that way. Yeah. I've heard the analogy that tracking is kind of like the GPS when you're driving in a car, like it, you know, you don't need to use when you're, when you go to a new place that you're not used to, you don't know where anything's at. Like you got to use the GPS to figure it out. But then once you know where you're at, like you can go away from the GPS and you can kind of figure out where you're at. And it's kind of a similar thing with tracking. If you've never really tracked before, it's hard to really figure out all of these things with nutrition and your eating habits and just mm-hmm. basic nutrition as a whole. So I always liked that analogy, but we can, we don't really have like a one specific topic for this episode yeah i just well, put up like a, a q a box on my instagram we got a bunch of questions that we're gonna go through and so we'll just kind of bounce yeah. some questions off each other and yeah before, go. before we jump in what has been your uh experience since the photo shoot since i shared mine it's actually been pretty pretty similar to yours but i would say less of a a big shift like i obviously after like you said you want to be you want to be cautious, like reversing out of like anytime you get pretty lean because, you know, your hunger is going to be a lot higher than normal. You're just, you're just more prone to regain a lot of body fat afterwards. So I was, I was pretty, you know, cautious about that for the, you know, couple, I would say one to two months out of, out of the, the, uh, I was going to say show, but the prep. And, um, since then it's been, like most of my time has been spent in a calorie surplus, trying to build muscle. And I've had a couple like mini cuts throughout that, throughout that time frame. but it's been a lot more relaxed than like the prep for the photo shoot. And mm-hmm. I've taken more time away from tracking and stuff. Like I had, I can't remember exactly what it, what it was, but it was like a, an 1100 day streak on my fitness pal or something like that. So it was like over three years of, or, almost three years of tracking. And some of those days were like, I would track like one meal or something. So it's, it's been nice to like taking a full couple full weeks off of tracking and just like, yeah, just being more flexible with things and kind of finding that healthy middle ground. Cause I was doing that for the longest time with the intention of 
yeah, I'm going to do a bodybuilding show in the somewhat near future. And so like, I, I did want to put everything I could into it, but then I'm kind of realizing like, mm, it's not something I need to rush into right now. And maybe I do it one day in the future, but just things have kind of changed. And I, my focus is elsewhere right now. And it's mm-hmm. something I could always do down the road, but finding a good kind of middle ground, similar to you. Um, but I'm still tracking pretty consistently and, and things like that. It's just a lot more flexible, which has been nice. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that I found was starting to be really tough was like, you know, I think to put on like 80% of the muscle you can is like relatively easy. Like you probably don't have to go too extreme with like mm-hmm. tracking or like a huge calorie surplus or like training super hard, but you know, to put on like the last, you know, I don't know, maybe I have like five muscle, five, five pounds of muscle. I could still put on, you know, I maybe since I've been like an adult, so to speak, like since 18 have put on 30, 40 pounds of muscle. But like, once you've reached that upper limit, it really just takes a lot, like just consistently having eaten a pretty, not that it was like a huge calorie surplus, but just like relative to my body size and relative to what I'm used to eating. It was just like a big calorie surplus, like having to go and train hard, like every single set, every single exercise four times a week. And that was, that was the hardest part to me, Um, which, you know, like you kind of touched on, sometimes it's fun to go through some of those harder, more strict periods, but I just felt like with, especially as the summer came around, like there's so many other things I enjoy to stay active. It just kind of took a backseat for me. Yeah. And you like move to a new city and Mm -hmm. you want to be able to have more flexibility and not like have the complete bodybuilding lifestyle when you're mm-hmm. in a new place and, and things like that. So that's, I think it's, it's good to have those different phases, different seasons that you go through just like you do with, with most things, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. I think maybe it would just like lead us into one of the first questions here. It seems to be like really in line with that, where someone asked how many hours do you spend in the gym for a training session? So like maybe kind of talking about now what we're doing, what we've done in the past. And to me, like where there's a lot of useful conversation, I think is, just understanding like that one of the things I communicate a lot to clients is that, you know, the transformation journey, most of people are coming to us attempting to have a recomp uh, transformation. And it's a lot of work to do that, to be losing body fat and gaining muscle at the same time. You have to be pretty strict with your training and nutrition. But one thing I try to communicate is like the light at the end of the tunnel is it takes, I would say, if you were to just generalize it, like a third to half of the effort Um, and that's just kind of subjective, like nothing specific, but it takes way less effort to maintain your body composition. Once you've put on like an additional, um, or an initial, like good amount of muscle mass and got your body fat percentage down to a place where you like it to be. So that's something that I find is really helpful for clients to remember is, you know, it's not going to be this strict forever and it might take a long time. It might take one, two, three years to make the transformation that you want. But then after that, you're not on autopilot maybe isn't the right way of saying it because you don't want to just become complacent, but you definitely don't have to put in as much effort and be as strict with everything. So what have your workout um, sessions look like in terms of like what you're doing now versus before and kind of the amount of time you like to take? Yeah. So I've actually, I've been all over the place with my training over the years, you know, and I would say it almost started I mean, this is, this might be somewhat common, but it's definitely the opposite of what I would like put a client through where when I first started training, it was like all out, you know, I wanted to go like six days a week and I'll try to do that. And then I would just get burnt out and I would be Mm -hmm. consistent for like 
couple weeks, maybe a month. And then I'd be inconsistent for like two or three months. And I was through, I was in that cycle forever. And over time, you know, I eventually found like a good sweet spot that was like four, four days a week was my sweet spot for the longest time. And I had different phases where, you know, I would be five or six days a week, but then here recently, I want to do somewhat of a, a self-experiment. And this is something you and I have, have talked about with our own training. We're kind of doing similar things where I'm just training three days a week right now. And part of that is like, I wanted to free up a little bit more time in my schedule and kind of like you were saying, once you build that initial muscle, it's like you, you can maintain it pretty easily. I'm confident that even if I trained two days a week, I would be able to retain the muscle that I have right now. So mm-hmm. it's, I'm, I'm not really in this phase of like trying to get as jacked as possible and just kind of having more of a, a balanced approach. Like we, we talked about earlier. And also the other thing is, um, so my wife, Anna, there's my dogs barking that might happen every once in a while in, in the, the episode, but so Anna's prepping for her first show, which is like six weeks from now. And it just doesn't, it's not very productive for me to be in like the serious building phase, like eating a bunch of food, having all this flexibility, things around the house that like is going to throw her off and I'm coaching her to the show. And I, I just don't feel very good about that. So not that I'm in like this super serious fat loss phase right now, but I am just kind of like close to maintenance, maybe a little bit of a deficit. And, you know, with my goal, not being building a bunch of muscle, I just, I don't need that much training volume right now. So I've just been doing three days a week in my workouts. I'm it's usually right around an hour, maybe like an hour and 10 minutes, but anything past like that hour mark, I'm just, I'm ready to get out of there at that point. Mm-hmm. I feel like for anyone doing like longer than an hour and a half workouts, it's just 99% of the time. It's pretty, pretty unnecessary, but mm-hmm. yeah. What about you? What are your typical? I think, like? Well, I think that like a lot of people would find it surprising that, you know, it would just kind of assume like, personal trainer would be in the gym four or five, even six days a week. But yeah, like you said, I'm the same as you. I like to try to get in the gym. My goal is three days a week. Sometimes it might be an extra workout. More, more times it's it's usually going to be less, like maybe two uh, days a week. I've been traveling a lot lately. So, you know, I don't sweat it if I can only make it two days a week. Uh, I try to do something active every single day, whether that's just be like taking a long walk if it's an off day or um, more likely doing like yoga or a run on an off day. If I'm not lifting weights, um, I like to golf. So, um, that's a nice, like long walk. I usually like to walk when I do that, um, ski if it's the winter, but yeah, just trying to stay active and making sure that lifting is like one of the core things that I do just because obviously I know how important that is to maintaining muscle mass. But, you know, like you said, because maintenance doesn't require quite as much intention, I I wouldn't say I track anything super strictly, it's more so just remembering to um, go to a close proximity to failure whenever I'm lifting, make sure I'm biasing mostly compound lifts. Um, I've done a little bit of, I just kind of have like a natural body parts specialization just because there's certain things that I know at this point are strong points and things that I would like to focus more on. So mostly doing like three days a week, uh, upper lower split. So whatever I did last, I'll usually just do the opposite. So, you know, some weeks doing lower, upper, lower next week, doing upper, lower, upper, and then on the lower days doing some shoulders and abs typically. But, uh, yeah, as far as time, I like to be in there basically the same as you, like anywhere 
from 45 minutes if it's like a short session to hour 15 if it's a long session um generally looking at about an hour or so yeah yeah i like that that sweet spot right around an hour and anything more than that it just i don't know i i feel like i just i'm out of it at that point maybe lose focus physically lose focus yeah it's just like you're like your training isn't that quality anymore mm-hmm. for a lot of people, but I probably will go back up to four days a week just after Anna's show. And like when I am focusing more on like building some more muscle, you know, mm-hmm. but right now that's not really the main goal. There's a lot of other things that, you know, take priority over that. But while we're talking about our training, one of the other questions we got is what's your favorite muscle group to train? For me, I would say I really like training back just because like when I was younger, it was not something I thought that much about. And I just like how there's so much anatomy to the back. So there's so many different things to train. I like how it is something that there's a high return in terms of just like longevity because there's a lot of like things that can help with posture uh, when you work on your called the posterior chain. So like your back, glutes and hamstrings, as opposed to like the anterior chain, those muscles you can see in the front, uh, chest, quads, abs, stuff like that. I'm just a big fan of training the back. I like how it feels. I like that I've got uh, a lot better at like mind muscle connection with my back and understanding like how to be in touch with it. That's something I like to help clients focus on because again, you know, you can't see your back, you can see your chest or your biceps working. So oftentimes clients have a lot easier time engaging those muscles uh, on the anterior side of the body. And you can, can notice like a lot of room for improvement. And it's just a lot of fun, I think, to figure out how to stimulate all those different muscles on the back part of your body. So back training is definitely one of my favorites. Yeah, it's, it's nice. You get a lot of variety and stuff with it. I would say I, I like back. It's not bad, but I'm going to give you the most bro answer out there, which it's my, my favorite is chest and arms are right up mm-hmm. there with it. Just because I don't know, just the pump you get with your chest. It's like it's hard to beat that. And arms, it's like it's not very fatiguing. It's not super hard overall, but you get some some juicy pumps and I like a I like a good arm pump and same thing with chest. So it just feels, I don't know, for me, I just connect, get a really good connection to those muscles and enjoy it. And yeah, compared to like legs, that's probably, I have a a weird relationship with legs where some days it's like, yeah, I'm in the mood to train legs, but it has to be Mm -hmm. the right day. It's a kind of a love hate relationship. Mm -hmm. So what does your split look like right now? So I'm doing an upper, lower, upper split. So it's a little less emphasis on on legs so i actually just had my one leg workout this week before this podcast and i'm i'm yeah it's i don't feel (laughs) my legs are toasted still but it it is kind of brutal because you have to do you have to squeeze in a decent amount of volume in one session for Mm -hmm. legs but again i'm kind of just doing i'm not doing anything really excessive with that but yeah like my first upper body day is going to be more of like a pull emphasis day so like mostly it's, it's still all upper body muscles, but more biased towards the pulling muscles like back biceps, rear delts. And then my legs, it's a pretty balanced, like glute, quad, hamstring, calves, everything in there. And then my second upper body day is more of like a push emphasis. So like a little bit more biased towards chest, shoulders, and triceps. And mm-hmm. like, I've liked this split a lot, but I'll probably go back up to four days and have an extra lower body day in there, unfortunately. Yeah. 
So I think a question that sometimes people have is like, do you, if you're doing deadlifts, do you do those on the pull day or the leg day? That's a good question. I, so I haven't done conventional deadlifts in a really long time. I do Romanian deadlifts and like that'll train your back a, a good amount, like especially your, your spinal rectors and things like that. Um, but it's really going to be a lot of glutes and hamstrings. So I actually just did those today on my leg day, but conventional deadlift, that's when, you know, you could argue that, yeah, you might want to do that on, on a pull day, but I would still say you're getting a lot more, especially glute out of that. And a good amount of hamstring, you'll definitely get some back, but I would, I would always put that on a lower body day. Were you but, doing the, uh, uh, dumbbell RDLs? I, I've been doing barbell right now. I was doing trap bar RDLs for the longest time. I like how a trap bar is because you can keep the weight more neutral. It's not like out in front of your body and it, you know, keeps a little, like it, it puts less um, stress on your lower back when the weight's more neutral that way. But the new gym that I started going to, they don't have a very good trap bar. So I just do barbell right now. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, like if it was like, so you said upper, lower, upper is your split. Yeah. Yeah. If it was a client doing that, my mind would probably go to doing, you know, a lot of our clients, I, I think this is another maybe topic of conversation too, but like you start to get a little, little bit more specialized as you become more advanced. So most clients, if they're coming and they're just starting lifting, there's a good chance we'll put in a deadlift, like probably a trap bar deadlift because it's more accessible. Um, and if they were doing something like an upper, lower, upper, I would probably try to put the trap bar deadlift on the pole day, just because I know how, if you're going to put like a squat pattern, probably on the leg day, I know how brutal like those two can be on the same day. Yeah. And that's where for most, I probably wouldn't do like an upper, lower, upper split. Mm -hmm. for, yeah. Yeah. That's like true. beginner, that's true. beginner clients, you mm -hmm. know, but yeah, it could go, you know, you could argue that it could go on a, a pole day for yeah. sure. So you have like a rest day. That we do a lot too with clients is and that I find has been one of the biggest changes. I don't think I did this before we started working together and that most clients are unfamiliar with, but find really helpful is like, yeah, it's a push day, but it's a push emphasis day. So you might do like three or four push exercises and then one or two like pull or some other movement pattern, just because I think if you, I would say maybe like past 10, depending on like you know, push is going to be shoulders, tries and, uh, and chest. So there's a little bit more you can do there, but like pull exercises, I would like to top out around 10 sets, just because if you're doing like a fourth exercise, say you're doing like four sets of, uh, or four exercises with three sets, I think after that, like ninth or 10th set, your pulling muscles are just going to be so fatigued that you're not going to have as much to give to like proper quality reps and sets. So I like what we do with most clients, which is like include a push exercise in there so that you can focus on something else um, and not just be fatiguing that one pattern. Yeah. If you're doing like a full push session and it's like just chest, shoulders and triceps, like a lot of people, you know, would their, their chest, shoulders, triceps would be pretty burnt out towards the end of that. I do think there's value in doing that, especially for somebody that's a little bit more advanced or if if it's like you have to train three days back to back that's when yeah. like you probably would want to space those out and just have a like a push only session yeah true, not true. running into recovery issues and, and things like that but I, I really do like having upper body days but biasing one or the other just kind of helps split things mm -hmm. up 
get good quality volume. And then for recovery, it's a good way to, to balance that. Yeah. But, and again, it depends on the context because if you're doing like lateral raises, I'm not too worried about that fatigue in the chest or triceps versus like, uh, you know, a incline bench press is going to work obviously the chest dominantly, but there's going to be a lot of shoulder and tricep in there. So same with the dips. So it's all kind of context dependent. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's jump on over to the next question. You got this one. So for the next one, um, let's go with just because it was pretty recently that we were traveling to, uh, to Cancun together. Someone asked what, Nutrition workout tips we have for traveling. Mm. Yeah. So I, we, yeah, just to give people context, we just went on a little beyond fitness team, like retreat in Cancun for a week. And it was funny, just like, you know, we had us, uh, four fitness coaches getting together and it's just funny, like when you're traveling, you know, it's not like you can be super dialed in with your nutrition and workouts the whole time. So it was, it was cool to see us all in that same element of just like balancing, you know, yeah, this fitness stuff and we're active and we, we had a couple workouts and, and things like that and, you know, kept our nutrition pretty good for the most part, but also the whole flexibility side of things and enjoying, you know, the trip together. And I think that's the biggest thing before asking yourself like, okay, how can I how can I really stay dialed in throughout traveling and, you know, just crush it throughout this trip? First, I think you should ask yourself, like, you should understand the trade-offs, like what is, what's worth it to me. And like, ask yourself kind of the emotional value of a trip. Cause yeah, maybe if it's just like a quick business trip over the weekend and you're just going there, coming back, like maybe you do want to stay a little bit more dialed in, but if it's like this, you know, big family vacation that you haven't had in, you know, five years or something, and you're going with a bunch of family and you want to be able to have more flexibility, like it might just be worth not stressing about your workouts and your nutrition the whole time and understand that, you know, one, one week, if you're gone for a week, that's like a drop in the bucket at the end of the day. Like, yeah, you could add a little bit of body fat. You're probably not going to lose muscle in that time frame if you don't work out. But at the end of the day, if you add a little bit of body fat, is it worth it? Just understand your trade-offs, ask yourself, is it worth really stressing about all this stuff? But that said, there are times when it is worth being really dialed in with things. Like my wife, Anna is prepping for a show. And when she travels, like she's going to LA this next week to meet up with our client or she shout out to, or she, she says she's been listening to the podcast. So if you're listening to this or she, I'm excited to see you in a couple of weeks. She's coming to visit here in the States and Anna's going to LA to meet her. And then she's going to come back here. But with her being on prep, like, yeah, she, there's not going to be much like, oh, you know, I'm going to go and just like not track or not train this whole time. Like, like she does need to have some flexibility because she's not going to be able to be hundred percent dialed in, but you know, her trade-offs are a little bit more biased towards, she needs to be a little, little dialed in with things, you know? Mm -hmm. So I think that's the biggest thing. Um, but what do you think about all that? And then we can dig into maybe some more kind of like specific tactical things. So I agree. Definitely. I really think it depends on the person. So I agree with you about like, for most people, it makes sense just to kind of loosen the reins with the caveat that understanding, like, I think in my opinion, like how I treat it personally is like, you can have a lot of freedom while having like a couple general 
guidelines in place. So I understand how easy it is because I've been there before. And like, this is going to maybe sound crazy to some people, but like, if you're not careful, like you could be eating seven, 8,000 calories a day and not realize it, you know, and maybe that's like definitely on the high end, but it's not impossible by any means. And so like figuring out how you can still, I think combine like that flexibility and like enjoying being around who you're with, but also put some guidelines in place. So maybe this will kind of transition into like the strategies, but like for myself, I almost always have made it a um, routine with vacations that I'll probably stick to like two meals a day. And then like a third meal being like a very protein centric meal. So like mostly just protein and something else like low calorie, like ideally maybe just like a protein shake for breakfast and some coffee. And then that way, you know, if you have like, you're going to go out to lunch and dinner with the people that you're with that can't get too crazy typically, um, as long as you're being mindful. And I think like a couple other things that I was thinking about is just like you said, setting, I think you kind of touched on this setting your intention. So if you go into vacation and this is what I see a lot of times from clients, like they don't want to give themselves any leeway. Like they say, you know, I want to stay dialed in. I want to continue making progress or whatnot which I would typically advise against, but say, you know, someone listening feels like that. And then they they probably know that feeling of like going and then things go off course, they eat more than they want to. And then they're just stressed and they're feeling bad. I kind of compare it to like when you're watching Netflix and you're procrastinating, it's like you're feeling anxious because you're procrastinating. So you're not even enjoying that thing that you're doing. Like when you go and you don't try to give yourself leeway, but it starts to happen anyway, and you're overeating, you're not even enjoying that food because you're stressed out about it versus being like, okay, I'm going to go on vacation, maybe worst case scenario, I gain a pound or two, but not that big of a deal. I'm going to let myself enjoy foods I don't normally enjoy and be back from my routine when I get back. I think that's the best way to go about it. And then again, with the caveat that I think what sometimes gets lost in the conversation, like you know how easily in the fitness space things can become dichotomous. So like healthy or not healthy, like you're either on track or you're not. And so that sometimes leads to like binging and like, you know, instead of just enjoying things moderately, like having a dessert, having a few drinks, having, you know, a, a couple snacks on vacation versus that that sliding that uh, slippery slope of like, I'm going to have three servings of ice cream, or I'm going to have 12 drinks a day, or I'm going to, you know, have no sense of like serving sizes when I go to, you know, like this buffet or what have you. So I think it's really a mix of continuing to be mindful, but then letting yourself um, have some leeway too. And again, it depends on the person, like some people, you know, maybe it's been five years since they've let themselves go like that. And you know that they have the temperance not to go crazy with it. So you just want them to be more free versus if someone has really struggled with binging, then maybe you have more conversations like, Hey, look, nothing's off limits, no restrictions, but I still want you to be mindful of, you know, your calorie intake to an extent. So it's not going just totally skyrocketing during this trip because you yeah. can enjoy a vacation while still being having some moderation and being flexible and enjoying. I think that's like the perfect sweet spot, which is not easy, but I think it's a place people can get to. Yeah, for sure. It's like, a, it's a spectrum where on one side you have like, you're not even like thinking about anything. You're just eating, drinking, whatever you want, like doing whatever. And then on the other end, like you're meticulously tracking your calories, like you brought your food scale and almost always you're going to want to be somewhere in the middle. Like there's very rare situations when you'd be on one end or the other, you're, you're typically want to, you want to meet in that, that middle ground. It just depends on your specific situation mm -hmm. and the, the context of the trip and, you know, all, all those things, depending on where you want to be on that, that spectrum, you know, but as far as some kind of more tactical things for me, I agree with like reducing 
overall, like I'll usually try to replace one of my meals. If I am wanting to like be fairly mindful with my calorie intake, I'll replace one of my meals with a protein shake or maybe a protein bar or a, like a, a salad or something that's going to be lower in calories, but still, you know, a good amount of protein. Um, and then I always like to stop at a grocery store if possible, just to get like some staple foods that I can keep in the hotel or wherever we're staying. So I have like some fruits, maybe some vegetables, like some things to, to snack on some protein sources, things like that. Cause if you're just relying on, you know, stopping at gas stations and restaurants and things like that, it's gonna be so hard to keep your nutrition reasonable. So if you can stop at a grocery store, I think that's, that's always really helpful. Um, and then the nice thing about traveling is you're usually more active than, than usual yeah. in a lot of situations. So that kind of helps offset some, you know, extra flexibility you're going to have with your calories, but I just try to stay mindful of that. And I keep my training just more for fun, like going to go and, you know, yeah, I, I typically like to go and work out just because it's like, it's part of my routine. I feel better doing that, but I just go and have a good time. I'm not like tracking all of my lifts and being super, meticulous about the specific lifts I'm doing. I'm just mm -hmm. having a good time with it, but yeah, those are my more kind of tactical recommendations. Yeah. And I think the thing about that, about working out is it, it does a lot for your psychology. So like me personally, if I start the day with a workout, like even if I don't make any intentions around how I'm going to eat, because I reinforce like this vision of myself where I'm, I'm, I'm making healthy choices, it's just automatically going to help me make better choices the rest of the day. You know, like Atomic Habits, we've both read, and he talks a lot about the power of like identifying as a healthy person versus like saying, I'm going to try to make healthy choices, like thinking like this is who I am. So it doesn't feel like this sacrifice. That's that's what working out kind of helps me to just internalize. For sure. And it, it always it feels good to, you know, when you're having that extra flexibility, those extra calories coming mm -hmm. in, it feels good to feel like those are being put to use. Like this mm -hmm. is going towards building some muscle and things like that. And you know, that I always personally just like, like that feeling as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So. And I think when I talk about like having a couple meals too, I'd say generally, I'm going to try to have like one meal be like healthier, which is like very broad. And then maybe one meal where I'm having like wherever I want. So I'm not having like a burger and fries for one meal and then pizza for another meal. But maybe you just you know, a lot of restaurants will serve you like a chicken breast and you can have a couple sides that you enjoy. And like, you know, you're getting a good serving of protein there, but you're not like just totally it's I think it's nice to try to emphasize protein in at least one of your meals when you're eating out, because, you know, if depending on the meal, like, say you want to get something like mac and cheese, well, that's not going to offer more than like 10 or 20 grams of protein. So trying to just be mindful of like, OK, can I at least like I'm treating myself, but can I still have something that's going to help guide me towards my goals, like one of which should be sustaining a high protein diet. Um, because as we know, that's going to help with like your hunger levels too. So, you know, it's not always about like having that constriction of like, okay, I have this set amount of calories to work with, but maybe more so being like, okay, I'm going to prioritize protein because I know how that helps me to eat less, whether I'm necessarily trying to, or being super mindful of it or not. Yeah. And with eating out, do you have any, cause that, that usually comes with, you know, whenever you're traveling, you're probably going to be eating out a lot more. What kind of tips do you have for people when they're going out to eat? Like, is there any specific things that you focus on or recommend to clients when they're yeah. meal out? I think, I think one of the biggest thing things is, about? I think one of the biggest things is like a lot of people, like because of your upbringing, you know, like, you know, your parents told you to clean your plate at dinner, 
and just forgetting that like, okay, yeah, I can take some of this home. Like I can eat half of this if I'm full, you know, and it kind of goes back to like something in psychology they call the, the sunk cost fallacy where it's like, oh, you know, I spent $30 on this meal. Like I better eat it, you know? And like, as I get how frustrating it can be, like hopefully you can make use of the meal, like at least take it home. But if you can't, like it's, if you're just stuffed and you don't want to consume, you know, the, the last half of your meal, that's going to be a thousand more calories. Like sometimes you just have to be okay with that and be like, oh yeah, like you can take this, I'm done, you know? And that's, that's the sort of, you know, that's why I love coaching and just the nutrition space in general. Cause there's so many things that aren't even so much based around like the X's and O's, but are more so about psychology. So I would say stuff like that, like um, being comfortable with not eating your full meal. If you get full, um, trying to focus your meal around protein. And if you can, it's actually really helpful to eat your protein first. So you can take like, you know, say you eat half of like your chicken breast or steak, that's probably going to help to curb your appetite for uh, the rest of the meal. Otherwise trying to like get some vegetables is great. That's going to help with fullness. Uh, maybe if you can look at the menu beforehand, have a good idea of what you want to eat, something that's rather healthy versus just going and being at the whim of, you know, what your stomach is saying at that point. And along those lines too, maybe having like a protein rich snack of some sort before the meal so that you're again, going to feel more full and not like ravenous, just want to eat, you know, everything on the menu. Yeah. That, that first thing you mentioned with like having to finish your play, that's something I have always struggled with because it's so easy to justify in the moment. Like, oh, the food is fresh right now. This is when it's going to taste the best. And even though mm -hmm. I'm like fairly full, I just spent, you know, X amount of dollars on this. I might as well just finish it right now, even if you're not hungry anymore. So mm -hmm. I think it is helpful to like have, maybe you have the the waiter or waitress, like bring out a box with your food. So yeah. then you get to that point, like box up half of it or whatever, um, I think actually an even better solution that I sometimes do if I'm with someone is just like split a meal, like half and half. And then, you know, restaurant meals are so big. You're probably going to be full after, but if you're not like, you can always go grab a bite somewhere else, you know, for sure. Yeah. Like you and your, you know, your wife or your husband or your friend or parent split yeah. a meal. is always nice. It is crazy. The, the serving sizes just in the, the States compared to a lot of other places. Like mm -hmm. we have some pretty ridiculous serving sizes, which mm -hmm. I'm not complaining. It's, it's kind of nice sometimes, but at the same time, it makes it more challenging when you go out to eat for sure. You have any other uh, like guidelines, eating out tips or strategies? You, you touched on a lot of them. I would say I, I really like the protein beforehand. Like oftentimes for going out to eat, I'll probably, I'll usually have like a protein shake before just when I get there, I'm not like ravenous. And then, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times, depending on what you get, you know, it might not be a super protein rich meal, depending on where you are. Um, so it just kind of helps make sure you're getting in your protein and you're not starving when you get there. Uh, and then you can always make substitutions. And this is something I don't do, done, but like you, you can always, you know, if it comes with a side of fries, like ask for, you know, a little side salad and little things like dressing on the side instead of already already mixed yeah. in or double meat them, is another good one yeah or asking them to like not cook it in oil because that's the deceiving part is like mm -hmm. you get you know even like a, a chicken breast that's cooked you know like it, it just looks like a chicken breast but you don't know that it was soaked in oil and, mm -hmm. and it has an extra 300 calories just from fat from the oil you know so little things like that can make a difference um but yeah that's that's pretty much all the 
the tactical tips that I would have there. I'm sure I could think yeah. about it. I'm, I'm curious, like with yourself or with clients, how much you would go towards continuing to track or taking a break from tracking. Cause like, as you know, from our conversations, one of the things I've been focused most on in the last couple of years, just because I spent so long tracking is like strategies to control calorie intake without having to track. And not that that's for everybody, but I just think Sometimes it's nice, you know, you're on vacation, you take a break from tracking. And again, like so many of those things I pointed to filling up on protein, you know, cutting your portion sizes in half, like that's going to help you control your calories more than like micromanaging them on my fitness pal. So I kind of like to, especially to give someone a break from tracking, maybe like on a vacation kind of bias more towards that. Yeah. Focus on like the, the habits and mm -hmm. things like that that are usually going to lead to the outcome that we want, whether it's like keeping calories in check or getting enough protein rather than focusing on the specific numbers. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. Make sure you tune in next week for the second half of the Q and a podcast that Kate and I did together. Hope you enjoyed the show. And as always, the easiest place to stay connected to or reach out to me is on Instagram at jakeparker.fit.